it's a bright and sunny day outside. It's been temperatures started at about 30 degrees, and it's ended up now about 50 degrees, and and uh, we seem to be thawed out and now ready to cook. So there, <laughs> he's already better at this than I am. I think that's Charles tells me the, to talk, and I'm like, yeah, testing that's one be, two. <laughs> I think that's going to be the introduction right there. Is that an inner tube or what is that? It's 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 what trucks roll down the highway. Oh, okay. I'm trying to figure out what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna eat this cookie brownie while uh, we do this. So this week we've got Brother Paul with us, and we're excited because. um, Oh, was I not here last week? No, you weren't here last week on the. Okay. Not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. You weren't. Okay. We would have known. I mean, you can, you can be as regular as you want to on the. Well, I must have been out on visitation. Visitation. <laughs> That's his bass boat. I must have been doing ministry. <laughs> That's the smartest thing I ever figured out in ministry was when you said that I named my boat visitation. So when people ask where I was, I could say I'm out on visitation. And it's helped me out of many a time. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to we wanted to have Brother Paul come on, and uh, hopefully here next week or the next week we'll have Nathan come on once he's feeling a little bit better. A little more up to speed, but uh, we want to have Brother Paul on so that uh, any of you guys listening, you can get a little bit more about him, more than just what you see. Hopefully, just on Sunday mornings for that, you know, uh, forty-five minutes to an hour on stage, and um, but it's fun. So, uh, Brother Paul, you have been here for twenty-two years. Twenty-two years. 22 years, you came in, that would have been two, ni- end of 1999, right? November of 99. And that was, you came, I think you always tell that story, you came on opening season weekend, right? Yeah, well, you know, in East Texas, everybody loves to deer hunt, and uh, I do too. I grew up doing this, one of the things I enjoyed doing, and uh, <clears throat> whenever the church come by and made a decision, they wanted to call me in view of a call, uh, and that's what they, when they call you in view of a call, they just have you come down so the church can look at you to see if they want you or not. That's kind of what a view of a call is. And I always thought I was a pretty nice looking guy. I didn't think I was too ugly. So maybe that wouldn't (laughs) scare them off. But uh, my wife, when I told him, sure, I would come that weekend in view of that call. When they left, my wife says, you know what that weekend is? And I said, no, what, what weekend is it? She said, that's opening day of deer season. I go, Oh no. (laughs) I said, I got to call them back and see if we can reschedule that. But we didn't, and it worked out. There was and enough so, people here. Yeah. yeah. So when you first got, how many people were coming to Calvary when you first got here? I guess somewhere about a 150 to 160, something okay. of that nature. Healthy group. Healthy, yeah. Healthy group. And was. At least that was the people that were there that day to see me. So there might have been more showed up uh, to see me. I don't know, but that was a good solid group. And so you came though from your church in Independence, right? In yes, Independence, I did. Texas. So that was that's near Brenham, and that was the oldest Southern Baptist church in the state of Texas, right? Yeah, actually, is the third oldest Baptist church organized in the state of Texas, and of course, those in Nacogdoches ought to know the oldest uh, Baptist church in the state of Texas uh, was the Old North Church, just uh-huh. right out north of here. Uh, the old North church was one of the first and then independence Baptist church became the third uh, oldest Baptist church in Texas. Um, they're in independence, Texas, uh, independence was a big town at Mm -hmm. one point because it was 
in the running to be the state capital. It was home to Baylor College originally, right? Yeah. People don't realize that, but there in Independence, just outside Brenham, was where Baylor University began. <laughs> it started out as the men's university, and then later on in 18, um, and that was in, in 18, uh, I'll get my dates right, 86. In 1888, 87, 88, it started a women's school. It was called the Baylor Univers- in fact, listen to the name. It was called the Baylor University of Female Women. <laughs> I never really got that. Female you know, women. Of female women. <laughs> they wanted to make uh, sure it, it was. It uh, went over like a pregnant pole vaulter today, wouldn't it? I'm telling you. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, it was kind of strange. The girls would uh, come in one. There's two doors at the back of the church. And when the girls marched down the hill from their school, they'd come in one door and sit on one side of the church. And when the guys would march in, from uh, their uh, school that was east of the church, they'd march in through the other door and sit in the church. And so it was girls and guys from the schools would have to sit on opposite side of the church and wouldn't let them sit together. Um, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. I, I, we should try that again, I think, in youth ministry. <laughs> that might be helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> girls, no, hold on, guys. guys wait. Just sit over there. Yeah, we could probably do that. Just keep them separated that way. But uh, and, and then... You grew up in Port Arthur, right? Yeah, my hometown was Port Arthur, Texas. and um, So you're pretty I, much a Cajun then, right? Yeah, I'm kind of Cajun, <laughs> uh, I guess. Uh, you're, close enough, you're close enough to it, the border. It's a mixture. There, right? uh, it, Port Arthur is not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of Port Arthur. Uh, I enjoyed my years there. My dad worked at Texaco Refinery, and I uh, had worked there for 38 years and made the living for his family, and we had a family life there. We were very active in our church, was Central Baptist Church, Port Arthur. Uh, at that point, Port Arthur uh, Central was running about 500 in church. Wow. When I was growing up, we had a big youth group. We, you know, back, we have 80 and 90 in our youth group, and I mean, it was about a fifth of the church, but, you know, back then, um, youth groups were pretty large in churches yeah. because we didn't have the out side curricular activities we have today that was kind of our our social place to go i mean do you I know what the population was of port there, author at that, time? at that time about 65 to seventy thousand. okay so a little more than double the size of mac yeah. yeah because it was a refinery community all that area is full of refineries and people a lot of people work there yeah and, and so it was at that point called it was called the golden triangle because of mm-hmm. all the money, the gold of, of oil. And, of course, whenever, um, you know, it went kind of went south later on in years, people begin to move out. Of course, now they've built some of the new refineries and people are moving back in again. But mm-hmm. Port Arthur is really run down now. The yeah. economy, I mean, it's just not the place people live outside of Port Arthur, Port yeah. Natchez, Nederland, um Lumberton, things such as that. That's where yeah. they live. But that was the, kind of the place, the church where you grew up, and then you also called the ministry in that church, right? Yeah. In fact, when I was uh, 12 years old, I gave my life to Christ. Um, the pastor of the church at that time was Clyde Besson. Hmm. I shouldn't have said his name, but because I have a great story to tell about that now, I don't want to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if it's appropriate for, uh, un, I guess it's not really, I guess podcasts aren't really monitored and controlled by the well the thing that i'd say about it uh 
<laughs> they are listened to before they get yeah. posted. <laughs> yeah, we, so, we, listen, uh, we we filter them as best we can. Well, let me ju- let me just say this: uh, the when I was saved there, the pastor of the church really did like him. As a young little kid, uh, he baptized me. Uh, a few years, about a year later, after I was saved and baptized, um, he went missing from the church. But I noticed, as a little kid, his wife was still there. And he wasn't pastoring the church anymore, and they had interims coming in, other people coming in preaching, and my mother would not tell me what happened. Uh-huh. And uh, of course, later on, when I got to be a teenager, I found out, you know, because my mother was protecting me, I found out that he had, he and his wife had broke up, and uh, somebody had asked me a question one time. Well, I mean, since the pastor did that, and he's not preaching anymore. Were you really saved? Well, I let them know it wasn't the preacher that saved me. It was Jesus <laughs> Christ that saved me. And and even though he baptized me and, you know, fell away from the ministry in that way, it um, that uh, it still didn't take away what Jesus Christ did in my heart. Yeah. And so, and so when did you, when you were called to ministry, because you were called to ministry during that time in your youth group there, what about, when was that? Well, it was probably about 17 years old. I was okay. junior going into senior at that time, and um, me and three other guys were really, really committed to the to the church, the youth group, and we always tried to lead out in the youth group, just a big part of our lives. And through just that, I did feel a movement toward the ministry. You know, I felt like this is a direction God's calling me to. Because even in high school, there was just no doubt what I believed. Right. I believed in Christ, and nobody was going to churn my heart, change me on that. And uh, me and my other compadres, we uh, we were solid in it. And there were seven of us. Actually, actually, there were nine, but there were actually seven right at that point to surrender the ministry. But three of us, uh, Bill Allen and, and uh, Phil Barnuman. Um, Bill Allen's out in, I think, course he's out in Abilene and Phil Burnham's down in Vider, Texas. Man, so he stayed kind of local for that. He area. stayed more local in that area. He started a church down there and never left. And uh <laughs> I mean it's so had so a good ministry. What do you do? Just start our own little church and then when they're like, well we're trying to get rid of you, I'm like, I, you can't. You can't, it's my church. I, I, I started this. I pay the bills. Yeah, it's in know? my name. <laughs> yeah. No, uh but uh that's that's how it started. I don't want to be long winded about it, but uh I did. I come forward one morning and surrendered my life to the gospel ministry and I've never left it. That's awesome. It's been a part of my life since I was young, but I'm going to give credit to my mom. You know, my dad was a, is a Christian man, but my dad didn't go to church a lot at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, my brother later surrendered to the ministry. And of course my sister was very committed to the Lord too. all of us. We give our mom the first step of that credit. You know, my dad loved the family, worked hard for the family, and my dad and I were like, I was on his heels all the time because mm-hmm. I loved to fish and hunt and just be outside. And so he was my, not my just my dad, but he was my buddy. That's awesome. You know, I was with him all the time. But my mama's the one who, you're going to go to church. You know, here's the thing. Back then, I don't, I know how it's changed so much now, but I didn't have a choice whether to go to church or not. I mean, I was going yep. because my mama's 
said, you're going to church. I could stop my foot and say, I don't like this or that. She'd say, sorry, you're going anyway. <laughs> and, uh, there was no, I didn't have an option. And, and, uh, that was a good thing. But growing up with you, like church was the central hub yeah. of life, right? It like, was doors with, were open. People were there. Yeah. The doors were open. People were there. People really came to church more. You saw from the bringing their children to the youth group, even, even student ministry, as far as a young adult in college, they were there uh, because it was a, a big social thing. I mean, not just social, but your friends were there. You built your friendships, and we did, of course, in Christ, and we had great friendships there. Mm-hmm. And so we would, my my sister and I and my brother, we're probably at church five days a week because we awesome. wanted to go. We were involved in everything we could, and mm-hmm. uh, it's and it was so much fun. Yeah. Our relationships is built for has stayed with me all my life. I actually have such friends from that time. Well, and I want to jump back to that in a minute because I think that you know one of the things that Travis and I talk about regularly is kind of the way that you know we're we're all different generationally. I think even even Travis and I are different generationally because you know we're like eight years, nine years apart. Yeah, and they're beginning to call me old now. I just want y'all to understand what they're doing. <laughs> well, we say legacy around here. And, oh, our uh, legacy. Okay, that's a good <laughs> that way to get way out better. of it. Yes, it doesn't sound like you're as uh, feeble and decrepit. Um, but <laughs> but just the, I think one of the things that we love is is there is, even on our staff, that generational aspect where uh, what we've experienced growing up in church life and in ministry is even far different from what you experienced mm-hmm. growing up yes. in church life and ministry. And then combined even how we've all three grown up in church it's so different now even than it was you know 20 years ago mm-hmm. um and and just i think we spent a lot of time on our our just discussions trying to figure out why why <laughs> why is the yeah. culture changing so much so fast yeah it is changing fast and for me you know and this this is a good thing to be able to for me to be i'm 66 and it's good for me to get to this place. Everybody, if you live long enough, you're all going to get to that place. So you don't need to look forward to it. It's an joyous time. But for me to look back and and see how things have changed has has been a challenge. But I do realize some change is very good change. There's some that's not. But I think that uh, one of the things I'm open to is listening to the younger people especially younger staff to see these ideas, things such as we're doing right now. It, it, how will they work to reach people? Because we can reach people and touch people's lives for Christ in that way. But yes, things have definitely changed as far as church being the hub. I mean, well, how have, I mean, how have you handled that though? I mean, because again, you, you kind of talked about um, youth group growing up. There's all these activities, all these things you got going on and, you built these connections and these friendships that have lasted, you know, years after you left church, not left church, but left, like moved away from your home church to, cause you went to ETBC at the time, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. ETBU, it was ETBC. Yeah. And then you did, um, Southwestern after that and did your MDiv there. So you kind of moved away from Port Arthur and then kind of did those things, but even still, just the transition from that time to now, like how have you, like how have you navigated a lot of that? And well, in- I can answer that because I had a pastor, uh, uh, Dale Kirkuff, 
And my youth minister at that time was also the mutant minister, uh, Travis. His name was Jerry O. Jones. And Jerry, Jerry O. Jones was a talented man. He and his wife were great singers. They even wrote music for word publishing. And so mm. uh, mm. He, he said to me, along with the pastor, and I'm not sure just which one, they said, wherever you, you go, you grow where you're at. And you always, when you move into a place, a new place, you find the place where you can spiritually grow. And so that's what I've, I've done all my life when I went up to college. You can get lost in the college life and end up not even being a part of a church. And uh, But when I got there, I started looking immediately, and I found a home church, and that was Second Baptist. And I got involved in that church, and a couple of other friends of mine, we got involved in that church. And it wasn't but a year, and I was teaching a junior high class awesome. as nice. a college student. And uh, then then again, when I went off to seminary, I did the same thing. I went to Trinity Baptist Church over in, uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, it was a church that ran about 350 people, something mm-hmm. like that. It wasn't a real large church. But I went there, and one of the things that helped me at, at that church, I, did, I couldn't hide. You can get off to seminary as a— as a ministerial student or in the ministry student, and you can hide mm-hmm. uh, very easy. You can sleep late on Sundays and not go to church and things like that. But I, I kept that in my mind, in my, you know, in the frontlets of my eyes, that wherever you go, you you find that place to serve. Yeah. You stay in ministry. You get involved in ministry, and I did. And in that church, for about four years, I taught the uh, senior high boys. And then when I met my, my wife, she was teaching uh, the uh, senior high girls in that same church. And uh, so it was kind of that thing going on. It's amazing because the great thing is you find you find that significant other <laughs> in the place that you work at, yep. in the place that you're at. If you're laying in the bed, sleeping, being a bum, as a Christian, not doing anything, <laughs> you'll find probably find a bum as a wife or a husband, whichever one. So, you know, if it's a girl in ministry, but so that's always been a question for me: How in the world did you convince Sherry to go on a date? I told her I was rich. <laughs> no, that's not true. I didn't do that. Um, I just um, I showed her my muscles. I had muscles back then. Um, of course. Now I've got furniture disease. My chest is sunken in my drawers, you know. And so, uh, uh, but just know this, just imagine I did have muscles back then. But, uh, but yeah, I met her. She was going to seminary too. And um, we were in the same apartment complex and her car broke down one day. Mm-hmm. And I helped her fix her car and it just went from there. That's awesome. And uh, I was over, starting to wonder if it was really your muscles. Yeah. yeah. Was it your muscles or just you're like, oh, your battery got disconnected. <laughs> it looks like your discombobulator, hey, bro. Mechanic skills are still, you know, valued. I had to. Yeah, I didn't have that. Yeah, me uh, neither. Still don't. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about Sherry and I, we, we did have a lot of the same desires in Christ. I mean, so just know yeah. that we did. We had the same desires in Christ. We saw Jesus as a, as a lifestyle. And uh, he was first, first place in our life, yeah. and so we put him there. And you know, just that scriptural commitment that mm-hmm. that we had together. Yeah. Uh, so your wife's so funny to me. Like she's 
she's literally like a Mother Teresa, but with uh, animal print. So like, I think if, yeah. I think if like, I think if Mother Teresa could wear anything else, like that, it would be like Sherry, but in like this really, like, could you imagine Sherry in well, like that kind of garb, but instead of yeah. it being like a kind of a palish blue denim type thing, She's literally wrapped in like, I don't know, like a lion skin. Hey, if y'all, whoever's listening, just understand my wife (laughs) was a blinger. She likes to bling. She wasn't a, um, what's that um, Baker woman? (laughs) I don't know. That used to be on one of them Christian shows on TV. Oh, uh, uh, Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye Baker that oh, painted yeah. herself up like and, a Christmas and, and tree. And literally had the hair that yeah. was like different. Like, like pink. Wasn't it pink? Yeah, she stuck it in a light socket, you know, or, <laughs> and it blew her hair up. But I have my, no idea what you're talking about. what I'm talking about, my wife. Generational. My yeah. wife was, uh, she, my wife dressed up. She like, she dresses up and yeah. she really does. She wears her bling. She dresses up and she's a real, she's real and the thing about it is I remember in my first church I pastored, I've only pastored two, but I remember there was a couple in the church and they had some things to say about her that she just dresses up so much she doesn't. Well, he, uh, his wife wore like a feed sack, you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I just told him, I said, listen, that's, that's nothing for you to be worried about. I yeah. said, my, my wife dresses up. She looks beautiful, and I want her to look beautiful. That's awesome. I like her doing beautiful, and that's fine with me. And you know what? Everyone do their own way. And did she ever try to get you to wear to like designer clothes or? Uh, a little bit, but it didn't work too good. Didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's ever, did, like she ever tried to bling you up or like preachers with sneakers type thing? Like, well, no, not real. But you know, back then it was always suit and tie. But you, you know? had longer hair back then too, right? Well, I did my hair. At one point, my hair was on my shoulders. I had long hair, and but you've always had the mustache. Oh, I've had it when I graduated high school. In football, in our high school, Thomas Jefferson, Port Arthur, you could not have your sideburns couldn't be below your ears. Oh, and this is the seventies. Hey, yeah, this is high heel shoes and bell bottoms, and I had long sideburns when I could grow them, and then my uh, couldn't have facial hair is a mustache so as soon as football my senior year was over i grew my mustache and never cut it off never never, never shaved never shaved it off yeah, it's been th- there and my wife doesn't want me to you know if it wouldn't have been for her if she would have not cared i might have done it but well, she says i want you to keep your mustache well that's kind of part of your identity i mean mm-hmm. that's part of who you are i think if you were to walk in tomorrow and have your mustache gone I would probably just resign. Like, I don't think I could. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could you work handle when, it. There, when there's no authenticity. I couldn't be here anymore. <laughs> the, the good news, I think if I shaved it, I'd look younger. Maybe. Don't, okay. I mean, don't, you're don't making know. faces at I me. I don't, I don't know. I, cause it's hard because you got to think like younger generations now they're like, Hey, how, how long can I grow my beard? Like, how long can I make this? And, oh, there's a beard. Although that's kind of going out. I mean, I was just yeah. on campus, and, like, the, just the mustache is more popular than beards now. Well, I've, I've noticed what's getting back, that kind of that 50s cut of, mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you've got a little bit more of, like, that that hair kind of combed over. It's real, like, slick. And then uh, you've got that very clean, shaven face, and it's plaids, and it's, you know... I. I'm sure eventually you'll see a bunch of dudes wearing some black Doc Martens all over the place, like real jet well, black. Yeah. And, in college, I had uh, bell bottom pants and high heel shoes. They're, you know, they're the men's heels, big heels. I had those. Oh, yeah. Do you have a and fish in the heel? A what? A fish. 
You know, like it, in the 70s, some ladies would walk around and they'd have like a goldfish in their heel. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? I, I guess they did, yeah. I but mean, um, it's funny, I think. I, and y'all might want to know out there that whenever we were hiring Brother Travis here uh, as our student minister, when I first saw him, I said it, he looked like Jesus. <laughs> he had this long, long beard. I think your hair was longer than too. I think you yeah, had a little bit more. I thought he was Arabic or something. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not that tan. No, uh, you aren't that tan. I said I'm not that tan. Yeah. I'm talking, and he's not talking a bit. He needs to try, talk more. Well, well, you well gotta, that's the point of interviewing you. I mean, yeah. we're trying to get oh, to know you a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, but you have to remember, too, Travis is like, there. there's me, who I could talk to a brick wall and have the best conversation ever. And then there's Travis, who's like, I want to sit in solitude in my office and not see a soul for the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, so it's... Well, I can... Let me tell you, I can, a be a, for Travis. I can be a recluse. <laughs> let me tell you. But... uh yeah, I could certainly be a recluse. There's no doubt about it. So, all right. So let's jump back to, let's let's talk more ministry, church. We'll talk a little bit. Um, so you went to East Texas Baptist College. What did you major in there? Uh, I majored in uh, church careers and psychology. So you have a you have a, a minor like a, a minor in psychology. Yes. Hmm. I, I figured know that. it would have been history because you're such a history buff. Well, Really not in college. I can't say I did real good in history, but I, I made it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's stop there. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. you, you so didn't. Uh, I'm curious about the psych. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know you studied he's, psychology. He's got a minor in psychology. Is that right? Well, it was part of my major. A minor was philosophy, okay. but technically. Oh, I don't know. My degree is. Com- both of yours started with a P. It, it was. Com- my degree yeah, is complicated. It was church careers and basically ministry. Um, and I had no doubt what I was going to do. Now I did. I led some music in churches. I did some youth ministry, but I've pastored now going on what thirty eight years, and I've mm-hmm. only I've been in two churches. Being a Christian college, did they like combined like psychology with like, hey, this would be helpful in like your church? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. East Texas Baptist, it did. Uh, it later became a university, but uh, you know, I was back there. It was good times. I really enjoyed it. Uh, when I went off to Southwestern, it was strange. I get up there, it's a lot larger. And, of course, I'm working full-time. I'm mowing grass. I mowed grass for the lawn rangers. <laughs> and uh, I was a lawn great. ranger. Lawn ranger now in Dallas-Fort Worth, that whole area. It's a big, massive company. They took it, moved it forward over the years, and it became a very big company. But I was in it wow. at the ground roots of it. And um, they would always see me on one of those Toro mowers coming around the corner, and I had a friend there that would always say, hi-ho, Seaver, in a way. Hi-ho, Seaver, in a way. Because I was riding my Toro mower, Paul Seaver. So, you so should, did you do a lot of night classes? or like I did. I did evening classes, and sometimes I would do like the Thursday classes where you'd go six, stay till nine. Yeah. I did that. What was funny, in one of my classes I went to, I'd got off the job from mowing. I mean, mowing these big, massive apartment complexes. And I got to, ran to my class. And of course, you know, you pull your old shirt off and put another one on. Uh, uh, and I got in the class and this girl that was sitting over to the side of me, she looked at me, she goes like, she does her hand like on my, toward her face. And I went, what? And I reach up there and she says, points. And she's pointing to my neck. And I reach up there and I got a leaf stuck on my neck. <laughs> it still sweated to my neck, you know, had tater ridges, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, but that's how I went to school because I, I was working 40 to 60 hours mowing a week mm-hmm. and going to, 
to school. And that's not uncommon. I mean, even now, like you almost have to find some sort of full-time gig while you're doing school. Cause mm-hmm. it's, and there's not a lot of financial support out there for that. Of course, now I'm guessing when you went, the tuition was probably a lot cheaper. A lot, than, lot less than it was, but of course the dollar would buy more, but you didn't make as much. Yeah. But the dollar bought so much more then. So what were you driving in seminary? Well, let's see. I had, uh, I'm always curious about I had a things. little truck for a little while, but I drove, uh, in college, guess what I drove? I drove a gremlin. Oh, one of those gremlins, AMC those AMC gremlin. gremlin. Yeah. yeah, it was green, had big old raised letter tires on the back. It was jacked up in the back. Was it one of those four by fours? Was a gremlin four by four? No, it was no, just two wheel drive. The gremlin drive. was the small, almost like Ford Pinto size, right? Well, I was dating a girl in college there. I dated her for, oh, maybe half a year. She called it a baby boot. <laughs> looked like a baby boot, what it looked like. So, Travis, do you know what an AMC Gremlin is? Nope. Okay. So he has no idea. Go. I barely know what I what I drive, so. You drive, <laughs> yeah, you're a mess. Cars aren't my thing. AMC Gremlins, you can't even get parts for those half the time now, can you? I, I don't think you can. It's a classic now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, favorite professor in seminary? In seminary? Yeah. The most difficult professor was Dr. Leo Garrett. You Doc- had Dr. Garrett? I had Dr. Oh, Garrett. I didn't know that. And uh, Dr. Garrett was gracious to me in systematic theology, which, by the way, our student minister here, he loves systematic theology. Hardest class I ever took. <laughs> I got to meet up with, with Dr. Garrett a couple months before I mm-hmm. went to the seminary, and and we would just, it was me and one other guy, and he would just like, ask me anything you want to know. And so we'd ask some random, like, how do you feel about Calvinism? Like real open-ended, real controversial stuff. And he would say, well, I'm not an expert at this. And then he would give like a 30-minute long answer. And then he'd be like, but if you really want to know about it, you should read this book and this book and this book mm-hmm. and this book and this book. <laughs> and I was like, how do you have time? And this was like every question we asked him. So he was brilliant yeah he yeah. definitely brilliant what's amazing i just praise god because only by his grace god and dr garrett is <laughs> crazy <laughs> i made it out of that class uh but uh what here's funny how things turn around over the years i'm preaching up in my pulpit here about five years ago and i look in the back and this is we're talking 25 years later Mm-hmm. I look in the back, toward the back row, and there is this man sitting there. And I said, that man looks just like Dr. Leo Garrett. And I, after church, I went, and it was Dr. Leo Garrett sitting there. He had retired and moved there. And at that time, his wife was about to die. And I got to be a part of his his, fun, his wife's funeral, part of Dr. Garrett's life for a little while, and got to go sit in his home and talk to him. And he told me that, he remembered me in the class. Huh. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know, I never made the best of grades. And here's what he told me. He said, um, he said, usually the students who have to really work at it and may not make the best of grades in certain classes, especially my class, he said, just seems like more of them have stayed with the ministry. They've been out there staying with it. So that, that kind of meant something to me. Now, so we have a chance. <laughs> we, so we have all, a chance. Have Everybody a chance. has a chance. So you're saying so, there's a chance. It was so good to make that circle in life. Yeah. Of course, yeah. he and passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. But yeah, um, I've got his 
two volume systematic work in my library and um it was pretty soon before he passed and my parents surprised me with it and they went and got him to sign it and he he wrote like a special note to me so i've got that on my shelf in there isn't that special <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> only you i'm can, proud to own it only you can uh, i don't know if anybody up. else you know, <laughs> even knows who he is but I mean, i'm excited about the, it the the people that were at southwestern are like wait wait what you know but it's mm-hmm. uh it's those circles you run in well whenever Preben Vong was the interim at First Baptist. Mm-hmm. He noticed when he was preaching that Dr. Garrett was in the back and in front of everybody. He said Dr. Garrett is probably the smartest at that time living Baptist, like on the whole planet. Wow! I was like that's yeah. that's quite the compliment. Well, that's being that's kind of being called out. Like you're, I'd be sitting there like I I don't know about that. Uh, you know, like, you, I forgot to brush my teeth. Well, last and he's night. so humble. He would yeah. he wouldn't yeah. even acknowledge it. But he was great. He was a great dude. Everybody you know, had, was looking around the room like, "Who's he talking about?" <laughs> we're talking about Leo Garrett. One another professor I really did like was um, Boo Heflin. And then a name Boo Heflin. Boo <laughs> Heflin was my Hebrew teacher, and he was a pretty neat guy. But uh, the other uh, uh, there was a number of people I could name out that I really enjoyed. Uh, in the class, um, but um, what were some of your favorite classes? I really enjoyed my missions class. Uh, missions class was good, and then my ethics class. I enjoyed ethics; it was enjoyable to go through. Sometimes I didn't really with psych uh, with philosophy of religion things like that. I really thought, what are they doing here in a seminary? But you know what? I I I really enjoyed looking at different things and seeing. Seminary taught me two things. Uh, and now, that's not the only two things it taught Hopefully me. more than that. <laughs> taught, but there's two things that really stuck in me. It, it made me know what I believe, and it made me, I don't want to use the word angry, but it made me more outspoken mm. because I know what I believe. In seminary, there would be times where there's some things I just couldn't jihaw. Uh, and that's okay because you're learning, but knowing what I believed in seminary, there were, there were some people, students that were just wishy washy. They, they didn't know why they were there. Yeah. There wasn't a call and, uh, they're just, there trying to find life. And my personal thing, when I talk to any of them, it'd be, this isn't the place to find life. Yeah. I mean, find who you're going to be. This is a place you come in calling. If you're going to be committed to this, you need to know that. And, and, People, I think some would get there and find out this is not for me, but uh, it it did make you have to know what you believe. Seminary is that, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You you get there and you go, boy, I better be solid in what I believe, you know. So it helped me in that aspect. Yeah, it's definitely a different. It's definitely a transition from coming out of a Christian college, mm-hmm. which is what I did, and then into a seminary because you think you've got kind of a good grasp figured out coming out of a Christian college into seminary. And you do, I think there are some advantages because there's a lot of topics and, and, and words and some language that you already are familiar with or some guys coming in, they're like, I'm not as familiar with that. But at the same time, it's like you now have to really be able to identify um, where you're at. And I think that's one of the things I've always appreciated about you as a pastor is there's not a lot. I mean, you're kind of like, Hey, here's what it is. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but here's, I mean, <laughs> this is just what it is where now I think we, we notice a trend, especially in uh, our generational, like pastors in our generation, 
they're very much like, it's almost like they don't want to completely jump over that fence. They want to be able to ride that fence just a little bit to kind of keep both sides of the conversation happy. When in reality, you you, you just can't do that. No, there. I, I don't have a lot of gray in me. It's, it's black and white with me, pretty much so. But now understand with that, I have compassion and care mm-hmm. for a person who may not believe like I do. I never disrespect them. I never get angry with them. I don't really argue with people about certain things. I just listen, and then I say, well, you know what? Here's what I think, and a lot of what I think, here's the Scripture, is what it says, and that's not going to change. And the Bible says that you and your sins must depart or God won't have nothing to do with you. And so uh, part of it is our job is not God didn't put us here to convict or condemn. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is here to show people what God expects of us to do. That's what we're here for. We're here for that. And when we show people that, we allow them to make that decision. But then we don't brutalize them because they don't, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, and I think that's kind of a rare attribute to find because I think a lot of people that are more black and white, you know what you believe, Mm -hmm. more on the conservative, you know, even conservative theologically, like there's often less grace and compassion with people that believe differently in that camp. Um, So I think it's, I mean, it shows a lot of wisdom on your part to be able to be confident in what you believe, but also be able to engage people that don't believe the same. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to hate on people that don't believe like me. And uh, it's quite all right because it's not about believing like me. It's believing the scripture. What does the scripture tell us? And if and, you're angry at them, that's not going to help them yeah, want to believe what you be believe. They'll be mad at God. I mean, yeah. wow, I'm not going to do that. But, well, uh, but I think, too, we're we're now seeing a culture that is completely charged when it comes to any ideal that is different than uh, what you believe. Like I was I was looking at a, a Facebook feed of somebody, somebody, you know, it, it's that idea that I can get on Facebook and I can put a radical thought out there and knowing that I'm going to get some backlash on it and I can have, but anyways, so I was reading one of these posts that had some, some backlash on it. And it's just interesting how when you begin to disagree with someone, especially when you do it without compassion, it's like they just use that as fodder to continue to um, attack in that conversation and essentially in their own minds, prove a point as a, uh, as it relates to Christianity. It's like, well, I want to prove a point. All Christians are, dot, 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 dot. And when we don't show grace and compassion on those things, mm-hmm. it continues to give fodder to them of, yeah, I mean, look, they call themselves a Christian, but they're jerks, you know? And I think that that's what I like because you can be confident and have, an, have your own belief and still not completely dehumanize someone else in that process. And I've seen people do that. I mean, especially here in East Texas, I love East Texas, um, it's been, it's a great place to be, but I've seen people that are so firm in their convictions and in their beliefs to the point where they will dehumanize someone else. Right. And I don't want people not to like me because of my demeanor. If they don't like me, let it be because of what I stand for, what yeah. I believe. That would be more of what I would have to say. What, you know, here's what I believe. And if you don't like me because of that, I, well, I can't help it, but my demeanor, mm-hmm you won't be able to say you don't like me because of that because I won't be cruel. Yeah. 
But there's a lot of wisdom in that, not just with like Christians and people who don't believe the faith. Like there's a lot of, of that tension like within different Christian circles. So like I have mm-hmm. two friends who I'll leave nameless, but um, both have seminary education. They're both very intelligent guys. One uh, is very complementarian when it comes to like men and women's roles and everything. And the other is, uh, is egalitarian? What's the other? Yeah. Not complementarian, egalitarian. Yeah. yeah. So they disagree on that. And for like two years now, every now and then they'll just like blow up at each other on Facebook. Mm. And it's like, okay, it's been two years and you're still not changing the other person's mind. Yeah. And doing it over Facebook is not the place to have that conversation. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, put your dirty laundry out there in the community. Yeah. You know, you need to, there's some things you need to control and have a little cooth to you. Yeah. You know, we actually use that. I think we used that word last, last time we talked the word cooth because we, we hadn't really used it much. And then when you were talking the other day in staff meeting, talking about having cooth and we were like, Oh yeah, that's such an interesting, uh, interesting idea. And I, and I really hope that we're using that word correctly. And for the <laughs> listener who has no idea what that word means, someone want to yeah. give a, a definition? Well, I, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, granted, we're 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 really praying. We're crossing our fingers right now, praying that's the right word. Because um, if it's not, please tell us. We'll need to put in a little bleep or something. So it's, <laughs> it's not a bad word. It is it? Like, I don't use it all my life. Well, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I don't know what the younger generation sometimes might use. I have no idea. We don't, I don't even think we know anymore what the Man. younger generation would say as it regards to, but just kind of have, like you said, having that demeanor or having that kind of a, almost like being put together. Well, let me, let me just say this to those that are listening here. You know, my wife, Sherry, uh, she's, uh, I probably shouldn't say her age, but I'm 66 and she's a few years younger than me, just a couple of years younger than me. Let's put it that way. My two boys, I got one 31, and he's married uh, to Hisella, uh-huh. and they're about to have a, a baby in April. I'll be it'll be my first grandbaby. I'm going to be have, be a grandpa, so I'm looking forward yeah. to that a little boy coming. Um, Hisella is Hispanic. She's mm-hmm. bilingual. She is super intelligent. She's a CPA for an oil company. Zach works for Granger Company. Ethan uh, lives in San Marcos. He graduated down there. Uh, from college, and he's uh, in a couple of jobs right now looking for that big job that he wants to do for life. He's 29, and he's, uh, th- my kids love me. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, they love their mama, and uh, we just love our boys. We we miss them. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, uh, every time I get to be around them, I love being around them. And uh, so that's kind of our family. And I mean, I know a lot of a lot of pastors' kids uh-huh. kind of go off in their own way, and so it's really good to see like your family still enjoys being around each other and stuff. We do, and they're not they're not uh, they're not preachers, you know. They they're Christian boys, but they're not preachers. They don't want to be ministry. Well, knowing your boys though, they could. Yeah, they could. They they're could. very good talkers. <laughs> they they can jihaw without they, anybody. They got the gift. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong in assuming this, but just being a podcast. I'm assuming we're going to have a slightly younger demographic within our church of who's listening to this. So for any parents that are, you know, I know things have changed since Mm -hmm. your kids were younger, but like, is there one particular piece of like parenting advice that you and Sherry learned? Like when you were raising them when they were younger, like any wisdom you want to spit out to the parents? We always, we always 
let them know that Jesus Christ was first place in our life. When I say first place in our life, a lot of times people try to separate God and family. And they'll say God is number one, family is number two. I think God and family are together. Mm. You can classify them as one. I mean, if you can't take care of your family, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. When you take care of your family, you are doing what God wants you to do. So don't don't try to use numbers to separate them. But we let our boys make their own decisions about Jesus. Uh, and now, we, of course, we taught them and we influenced them. Oh, absolutely. But we didn't force them to come to Christ. They came on their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they both, those, those days we remember, I remember both of them when they asked the Lord to save them. They were young, young boys. One was nine. The other was 11, 10. 10 and uh, they asked the Lord to save them so they came on they, without somebody just pinching their head off yeah you know to, to get them saved uh, and um, do you think throughout your years in ministry you've seen a lot of parents that maybe try to force it on their kids before they understand they do and I always share with them don't make it something that you force make it something that they see in your life and they want to be like it and uh even though my both my boys did not want to be preachers or anything like that, they still have faith in you know they, their faith mm-hmm. is still there. I mean they they know the Lord is their Savior, and they um, they will tell you that they're not afraid to tell you. Yeah. So being that we're younger pastors with kids, I mean uh, Travis has one, I've got three. And we're, I mean, I started late in life, I would say, <laughs> but we kind of talk about that mm-hmm. too, that even you and Sherry for, for y'all's age range, y'all started a little bit late in life too with family yeah. and everything. Um, but the, the pressure of being a pastor with kids, um, what, like what kind of pressures did you have to deal with mm-hmm. raising kids as a pastor? Cause I, I mean, I've heard some of the stories of your boys sure. even here and I, I laugh at them. I think they're hilarious, but you know, you've always got that one or two church curmudgeon that's like, wait, I'll I can't be believe you would let that happen. Uh, my two boys, I definitely didn't raise any sissies. Uh, <laughs> they've been in a few fights in their life, and uh, they're rough, rough and tumbling. One of them's already broke. One of them just rough and tumbling broke eight bones. Oh, my goodness. And so uh, and another one broke a bone or two. But, I mean, just rough and tumbling when you see them right off the, the first floor of the, of the house on their bicycle into a tree you see your doctor bill coming. I mean, they're just, you know, they were always little daredevils, things like that. But, um, when I talk about our, our kids, um, you know, losing my train of thought, I didn't want to do that. Uh, but, uh, I, as they grew up and mm-hmm. watched them grow up in, in their life, um, they went, they were pretty normal kids, things they had to go through. Right. And we were just parents to them trying to, help them along the way because growing up's tough to do. And, uh, we would always try to be good common sense to them. Here's, here's some common sense. Think about this. But did you ever feel like pressure from your church that you were serving at or you were trying to lead? And yeah, the thing is there'd be times whenever we would plan something on a Saturday and somebody would die and I'd have a funeral Saturday Mm -hmm. and I'd say, Hey boys, I'm sorry. We'll make up for this, but I've got a funeral this weekend and they got to where they go, dad, we understand, but I just have to really be there for them. But 
I've always said, and to you two guys, you know I've said that, mm-hmm. Brother Nathan too, is that if you can't take care of your family, you can't take care of the church. Yeah. So take care of your family. If it goes awry, you go awry in the church. You, yeah. you know, you'll lose your positions. So you got to, your family, you have to take care of them. Uh, that's the reason most times if a family, if your wife calls you on the phone, you want to try to see what it is about your children, check on them. Mm-hmm. You can let other things, somebody outside that calls, you can wait. Yeah. Of course, nowadays, nobody wants to wait on anything. No. They want to have that phone in their hand every moment of the day. But I would suggest this. I'm just putting it out there since I said it. Can you lay your phone on a table and walk away from it one hour without looking at it, even though it dings? Oh, man, I could. I could in a heartbeat. Can you do that? Let me tell you, it's getting to where that's a difficulty of our society. You cannot live without this crutch. And you miss life. You miss you miss what's outside your window, mm-hmm. and you see life pass you by because you didn't notice the things of so beautiful that's around mm-hmm. you. So I just suggest just even me, I've got to have it. I've got to have that there because it's part of my job. But to be able to lay it down and just walk away from it for a while is, yeah. is a refreshing to your soul. So be sure you try it. Give it a try. Then let tr- me know. Then let me know how it goes. I try to do that on Saturdays. So like mm-hmm. Sunday through mm-hmm. Friday, like if anyone from the church texts me at any time, like I try to be really prompt in getting back to them with whatever the problem is. But and not that I, you know, Sabbath hardcore or anything. But on Saturday, like that's, you know, I'll leave my phone in my room and not go check it yeah. for hours at a time. Yeah. And and that's uh, been me. I've always I've always kind of been like that. If I could. I told people if I didn't work for a church, I don't know if I'd have the phone I have. Like, I don't know if I'd even have Facebook. I wouldn't have, I mean, I just, if it wasn't for working for a church, I would get rid of half of what Mm -hmm. I have just because so many people want to be in touch with you in some form or fashion. Yeah. In fact, the first podcast we did, we talked about it and I think I had like 15 text messages between when we started that podcast to when we finished it. And it was only like an hour long. And mm-hmm. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous. And, and, but I think that that's kind of a commonplace thing now. Like you to be so connected all the time. Well, there was a study that came out a couple of years ago. So the number's probably higher now, but the average millennial touched their phone. I think it was 2,800 times a day. Oh my gosh. And Gen Z was worse. Oh my gosh. 2,800. 2,800 times a day. Does that count when like you're sending mm. the text and you're like wow. typing? See, I don't know. Cause if that's the case and you, text a lot like yeah well that, that adds up pretty quick but well that's messed up but still <laughs> i think it is yeah i think gen z averages six to eight hours a day on their phone oh six to eight hours a day mm. so a full work day on your phone literally i couldn't do that i couldn't i mean well no let me let me rephrase that i could binge watch a series on netflix on my phone so yeah i could well, probably do that I'll, I'll tell whoever's listening out there this morning I'm up. I've been up about 15 minutes. It's 10 minutes after six this morning. I've been up 15 minutes and I made the cup of coffee and I'm sitting down. I'm going to set me easy chair and just sip a cup of coffee. I like to just take a break in the morning like that and just be quiet. And, and the phone rings and it's uh, two of my members that I know are in the hospital or mm-hmm. one of my members. His He went there because of his heart 
And when it rang that early in the morning, my heart sunk. Mm. I thought, oh, no. Yeah. Something bad happened. But it w- she said, hi, Brother Paul. I just want to tell you it's not his heart. We're going to go home today. Awesome. And I'm going, great. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Because this is really good. I mean, all of them, they're all good people. And uh, the uh, she didn't realize it was that early in the morning because she's been at the hospital all night. Mm. And I just happened. I was glad. Just happened to be up. Just That's was awesome. up sipping a cup of coffee, and she calls. So that those those things are, you know, it's good to have that quick information on certain things. So yeah, it's see, all good. If I get a call that early in the morning, it's because some pipe has busted here at the church, and I got to come be water boy for a little bit. Yeah, praise the Lord, you do that. <laughs> stay away. Beauty of living close, I guess. So. Yeah, but uh, well, I know. I don't know how long we wanted to do this for me, but uh, I appreciate getting to talk to everybody. Yeah, yeah. thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm glad. And, well, and uh, I, I, could I say this to whoever's listening, whoever might would choose to listen, that uh, you will be loved here at Calvary. And in my heart, I tell you this, my heart goes out to to the children that I, in our church, I see children fading away because their parents don't bring them. And if, you ha- if you're out there and you've got children, Oh, how much joy in your life will happen if you'll if you'll get them now. Make a commitment to get them in the in here to the church and let them build those relationships here and friendships. Student ministry or our teenagers. I look at our teenagers. We it was so joyous to go up and be around the teenagers upstairs on Wednesday nights. It's fun. There, it's just I'm so inspired by them and so tickled to see them all. I just. Yeah. Just we want you here. We, we this world needs you, and it needs you in the church. So, yeah. and and I would say even people in our church that there there are ways that you can serve in our children's ministry, in our youth ministries, and college ministries, and things like that. There's ways that you can do that, and you don't have to teach. Like we mm-hmm. don't need you to teach. You don't have to follow kids to the bathroom and make sure they're good and come back. Like you're not having to. We're not asking you to even like get in a bunch of play-doh and. Um, like we've got several projects and things that are always going on that benefit those areas of ministry without in, without directly being in that ministry. You're indirectly serving and helping in that way. And that those things matter just as much mm-hmm. as being here and serving in that way. Yeah. And so there, we have, we have multitudes of opportunities where people can serve and do if they're just willing to want to do it. Um, so that's absolutely right. You know, and know this whenever, if you'll come on Sunday morning, um, I, if you want the truth, I'll do my best to give it to you. That's what you'll get. Bring your Bibles, put it to the by scripture. Uh, we want you to have the word without, without compromise. We want you to have it that way and understand that whenever you come. And one thing I've always believed in life, you know, as a Christian, life has been good. And when you die, it gets better. You go to heaven. Mm-hmm. So that's the good news about it. Yeah. <laughs> It is the good news. So, good well, news, good place to end. Yeah, good news, mm-hmm. good place. So, uh, so don't forget, uh, don't forget to subscribe, and uh, we would love to hear any feedback that you guys have. You can uh, text us, you can email us, uh, you can just call us up here at the church, find us on a Sunday, and say, "Hey, here's a thought, or here's a topic, here's an idea. Uh, how would you guys tackle that? We want to be able to do that for you guys." Uh, as best we can. And so want to encourage you, if you've got those questions, if you've got some thoughts, we want to help out as much as we can on that. Also, if you see Nathan at any point, just say, hey, 
want to encourage you to jump on a podcast because we, he, he, he's been real busy lately. And so he's been, he's been, every time we've talked about it, he's like, Oh, I got this to do. Okay. Well, we're going to catch you at some point. So I mean, we had to trap him like a possum mm-hmm. and then just bring him in here, blindfold him and walk him down the hall and be like podcast day. And then just uh, surprise it on him. But well, I appreciate it. It's been good. Yeah. It's been fun. So, uh, so subscribe and we would love to talk with you guys at any point about this and hope you have a blessed week.